welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. As a leader in energy storage technologies, Vartzilla Energy Storage and Optimization's mission is to make storage a fundamental part of a cleaner, more intelligent, and distributed energy infrastructure. We are a passionate team tackling exciting challenges in the energy industry as we transition the power grid to a 100% renewables future. Our technologies and solutions are a critical component supporting utilities, renewables developers, independent power producers, and many more energy asset owners in their decarbonization journeys. As Vertilla Energy Storage continues to grow, we are always on the lookout for future-oriented talent, talent that shares our passion for the energy transition. Want to join us as we scale up? Please visit storage.vartzilla.com forward slash careers to learn more today. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, and this is a special episode where actually we're going to focus on the owner experience of a Ford F-150 Lightning. Aaron Smith, CEO of EBA and Greensmith Builders in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is going to be on a webinar with me for another organization about, about EVs. And uh, we just came up that he got a Ford F-150 Lightning. He's done some cool stuff with it already. And I was <laughs> like, let's get you on the podcast. So, <laughs> so Aaron, can you give us a little bit more background on uh, on yourself, your clean tech chops and uh, your EV background? Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And I, long time sustainability person, worked as the director of sustainability in corporate America for many years and uh, kind of have the honor now. I, ha I have a building company where we build um, all electric net zero build to rent properties. And then I have the honor of running the Energy and Environmental Building Alliance today, which is really the top high performance builders across North America that uh, are looking to build green homes. In many cases, they're they're really striving toward healthier, electric, resilient, decarbonized, net zero. So I would say my own personal journey has been, you know, I've wanted an EV for a long, long time and been on many different waiting lists and uh, still am on some waiting lists. But I, and I actually got a Mustang Mach-E and then I got the Ford Lightning F-150. And I know we're here today to talk about the F-150. But let's yeah, talk, so this is my, yeah, yeah. No, let's talk both. Let's talk both. I mean, let's actually okay. make it a double header and uh, double I, just, header. I like what, what you mentioned net zero uh, building for, for renters, which I think I assume, you know, there's a social element to that. And I think, you know, yeah. I, I, I studied sustainability many lifetimes ago in college and grad school yeah. and the social element of sustainability often gets sort of forgotten or left behind. So it's really cool mm -hmm. to me that you seem to be focused on the full spectrum, uh, the full the full circle of sustainability issues there with what you're doing. Yeah. So just big props and big thank you as well. No, no, you bet. I mean, we, we felt like that we've got to make sustainability attainable and we've got affordability problems. But one of the biggest things we can do is we can control utility prices by building really great 
uh, apartment buildings or multifamily buildings for people. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk some about that with the EVs no, yeah, too. I, mean, kinda, I was, yeah. I was just going to say hundred percent. We have to get you on another podcast to talk, yeah. talk about this. <laughs> I was like, Oh wow, this is, you know, so this is uh, definitely another podcast, but we'll follow up. Sounds good. Yeah. But for now, let's start with, let's start. I, well, I'll leave it to you, but I'm, I'm inclined to start with the Mustang Mach-E since it was first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. So we've had our, I think we have 4,000 some miles on our Mustang Mach-E. We got the standard range battery. It is the E4 all-wheel drive version. And it's just a phenomenal vehicle. I, I think one of the differences that I'll point out is that the Mustang was really designed from the ground up in mind to be an EV. Whereas the F-150 is an F-150 that is an EV, right? So it's it's kind of all the things you hoped. And, and I would say that I'm 51. I was really bored and tired of driving. And I know that maybe that sounds silly, but and I, and I like cars, but I was just like, oh my gosh, I just, I don't want to drive anymore. And the thing about EVs is it has made driving exciting at the same time made driving eminently safer because of the onboard systems that you have for, you know, the Blue Cruise from is Ford's version of it. But it is very much a self-driving car. I, and I don't, you know, you can tell me there's different levels of self-driving. But this is like, hey, it's lane keeping. It monitors the traffic in front. It has emergency stopping. But I just find it so much more peaceful to drive when I need it to be peaceful. But also exhilarating to drive because you can't help with either the Mach-E or the F-150. But to have your buddy, your <laughs> friends come over and say, Let's do zero to 60 in this thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, right. uh, well, I, the Mustang Mach-E is just a fascinating vehicle, in my opinion. It's, it's one of these really landmark vehicles of the era. It is. Uh, we, we wrote about that a lot before it was out. And uh, the CEO of Ford, Jim Farley, he tweeted our articles a couple of times. And, and I sent a DM to someone on the Ford team. I was like, hey, you know, I've seen Jim likes... Uh, are i keep wanting to say chris it's, it's such a like ingrained yeah. in my head chris farley you know is yes cousin yeah. of jim farley but oh, jim. Uh, yes jim liked our our you know pieces do you think we could get a mustang Mach-E to try out and they were like well I, I think we just have like four right now there's one in la one in detroit i think there might be one in miami <laughs> that we can get to you and we got and they shipped it over from miami for a week and so we had a very early version and i'll tell you one of the things that struck me the most that surprised me the most Everywhere yeah. we went, people were like, "Hey, is that the must?" They knew the vehicles. They knew they did. They knew it was an electric Mustang, and I yes. was shocked. I mean, I'm talking baristas at Starbucks, yes, people at LA at the fitness where I would yes. charge. Like everywhere, everywhere, everywhere I went, everywhere. and I, I was first of all, I just thought, "Wow, EVs are much more mainstream than I realized." Plus, yeah. people really know and are waiting for this one. And everywhere I went, people wanted to see it. They wanted to take pictures with it. They they're really excited about it and i was i was blown away by the interest and i thought this is great because i think it's a great vehicle i think it deserves to be a landmark ev but i i knew there was a controversy around it being a a a mustang that wasn't a car and it was electric if i can comment on that right because in my lifetime 
you know, I was born in 1971. And that was in many ways the end of the really great Mustangs when I was born 51 years ago. And my friends that had Mustangs in the 1980s, they were nothing great. <laughs> you know? So I look at it that this is everything the Mustang should be. Now, again, there is the there is the sedan version. But on the standard range, I mean, I'm zero to 60 in right around five seconds. It is just beautiful. It's we, well appointed. We always Go talk ahead. zero to 60, but it's really zero to 30 that you experience. Oh, my city. gosh. And this is where the EVs shine even more, right? You know, it's like, yes, yeah, it's it is instantaneous power. It is so fun. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a Ford guy, uh, I would guess. And yeah, it I mean, is I such a you great have a Mustang, Mustang Mach-E and F-150 <laughs> Lightning. I didn't really think about it, but yeah, you're clearly, you're clearly in the Ford I'm clearly belt. a Ford guy. So maybe I'm an early adopter and an innovator, but I think it really is a great representation of, of Mustang and what it can do. So, And I agree with you that I get stopped everywhere when we're in the Mustang. Yeah, so I'm well. I'm curious, just like maybe two or three things that surprise you the most about it. But uh, yeah, I would just add on that topic. I was still curious, like, okay, what's it going to be like when it's for sale? And uh, now I see more and more popping up, and I see them almost daily. Sometimes a few in a day. And uh, in my area, there's a lot of Teslas, but there you you see, you just see all these EV, all these like competitive. EVs just rising the the F150 uh yeah I'm not sure if I've seen one of them yet because it blends in so much but I've seen the ID4 the Kia EV6 uh, yes all of these but that Mustang is sort of is one of the ones I see the most and I know part of that is yeah. because it stands out visually it's got a really it cool does look. it's got cool colors yeah. I'm curious what color you got but also it's just I think a lot of people are taken to it and it's going to do really well especially as for I... ramp up production capacity Yes. Yeah. I completely agree. We've talked about this in the past, you and I, but if, when the list opens up, I would encourage people to get on the list for this car. We got space white, which is kind of this, and and I'll talk about that with the F-150 too, but the space white is at times gray is at time. It's almost this chameleon color. For a second, I was like, I was like, what did you, I was like, what is this feature? I've never heard of space. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's the color. Yes, the color. It's the color. Yeah. Yeah. So space white is the color. Again, we got all wheel drive. We live up here in Minneapolis, so we've got to have all wheel drive. But I mean, we went and test drove the Mach-E. And I think one of the things that surprised me is how roomy it is inside for an SUV. I mean, just extremely spacious. It is the futuristic interior. So it's it's fairly sparse, but it's just very clean, very spacious. And just, it, it's a head turner. I'm the same as you. I get stopped all the time in it. And people want to know about it. They want to take pictures. They want to talk to me about it. And I haven't had a car like that in 25 years where people just stop you and say, Oh my gosh, that thing is incredible. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was sort of, that was the case some years ago with Tesla in this area, I'm sure as well as others, but it's not the case with the Tesla now. And we, so we have a model (laughs) three and nobody, I mean, nobody bats an eye anymore because they're all over it. So it's great to hear that's still the case with the Mustang. I was wondering 
how long that would be sustained, but I'm sure it's got to be a long-term thing. But yeah. then on the spaciousness too, I, I mean, again, we have a Model 3 and, and before that we had a BMW i3. So again, yeah. like that huge space, interior space, I was like, wow, you can fit everything and everybody in here and there's no fighting over space, no kicking no. In area. So I I was really impressed with that as well. And I think it doesn't, the way they've designed the Mustang mach they've sort of tried to make it look like a car more with the black top and kind of, you know, sh- right. shrink it down to make it more look more look more like a traditional Mustang. And I think because yeah. of that, you don't realize how big it is too when you get in until you get in it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very well appointed for, for space. I think the other things that our Mustang Monkey does not have the full Ford Blue Cruise on it, but it does have, and I don't know what level of driving, but essentially when you hit the cruise control button, you know, it's not full Blue Cruise, but on any road that I'm on, I was, I guess what I'm saying is I was surprised it doesn't have the full Blue Cruise, but it pretty much is driving itself, is monitoring all traffic, is slowing down. And I thought I would need Blue Cruise full to have that, but it really does a nice job of driving itself. I mean, and I've gotten to the point where I trust it pretty completely on the Mustang Mach-E. Yeah, I was actually very curious about that because when we test drove it, I think this was a year and a half ago, I believe. Mm -hmm. I guess we had a, you know, it's a different version than it is now. So my, I, I didn't have enough time with it to really feel like I, I understood it well. But one thing that mm-hmm. stood out to me was that like you, once you engaged it, if you steered or something, it would disengage, but then it would automatically re-engage as soon as yeah. it felt ready. And that's different yeah. from the Tesla system, which once you disengage, you have to engage it again. So on the one hand, I found that very okay. cool. I found it very fluid and easy because it's like, oh, you don't have to constantly disengage, re-engage. It'll just do it when it feels ready. On the other hand, I felt like, oh, I might think it's on and not realize it's disengaged because I'm sort of, it's too fluid. And I always wonder, and then I, I think they changed it a little bit, but I'm not really sure. So how does that work for you? Do, if you, Once you engage it, it, does it do that? It go in and out depending on the situation? Yes. Yeah, it's... It's going to alert you and say, resume control or, and there is, there's some pretty good infographics on it where, you know, you almost always know that your lane keeping or your distance keeping is on. So that would be the front. I don't know if it's LIDAR or or how it's looking at the front, but that's almost always on, you know, and you can set it one, two, three, or four car lengths. And then you're going to see the bubble go around that if you now have lane keeping assist on, I have found, and you know, I don't know if Ford would endorse this or not, but as long as I check in with the steering wheel about every 15 seconds, you know, it's going to say, you know, put your hands on the wheel and I have to check in with that steering wheel about every 15 seconds. And what I would say is when I'm out on the road, you know, on a highway, I'm just really bumping the steering wheel every 15 seconds and it's driving itself. Yeah, no, that sounds superb. It, it it reminds me too of 
<laughs> I shouldn't go down this road. It reminds me of yeah. Tesla Autopilot before I had full self-driving beta, which I used all yeah. over the place for this. I just basically disengaged it to make turns and avoid potholes. With yeah. full self-driving beta, they've switched to this vision-based system and it does all, mm -hmm. it gets it gets very, it's quite jerky and jump. So I don't use it nearly as much because it's not, yeah. not like locked on rails like the old Autopilot. And I think the, the Ford system, I think is comparable to that, which I think, you know, like you said, you can pretty much use it. I mean, where do you not use it? Like, I mean, obviously, if you're making a turn, no, you need no, to. No, it's great. I, I mean, oh. I there. It's summertime in Minnesota right now, so it's traffic. It's construction season, and what I find is that I don't like to use it going through a construction zone. I just would rather be full hands on. Yeah. Although it's still good, but I don't want to fight it at yeah. all yeah and so i i turn it off through any construction zone i would say that i have cruise control on with with the vehicle ahead assist but i turn off the lane keeping in like a 30 or 35 mile an hour zone although sometimes i turn it on it's just kind of your personal preference the both the f-150 and the mach-e have do have single pedal driving so I think that would be more like your Tesla. No, I, and, think, I mean, I think they're these days, I don't know, from my opinion, all of these top options are pretty comparable across yeah. the board for regen. I mean, everyone, everyone's yeah. a little bit different, but regen, uh, I, I think the 80, well, you know, yeah, I, I think the floor, the Ford system to me is very comparable. I mean, of course, the FSD beta thing that Tesla's doing is a different animal and it's got its own worms. But as yeah. far as the normal level to assist uh, systems, I think they, they're at a phenomenal level. I was shocked as well when I, when we had the Mustang Mach-E. was like, wow, this is really good. This is like, I can use it in all the same ways and places the Tesla does. I just have to pay attention that it goes in and out fluidly. Yes. But but yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, I think that, I mean, we can always come back to the Mustang, but no. what, oh, great. what do you like? <laughs> what's it like switching from the Mustang to the, F-150 Lightning or, or just, you know, compare. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's some things at a high level. I have the F-150 Lightning. I ordered the Lariat level package, which to me is almost completely fully appointed. I've asked the question before, what more would I possibly get if I went up to the Platinum Edition? And I don't, I don't know, to be honest. Like two extra USB ports and... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not certain. Yeah. But I felt like the Lariat gave me everything that I wanted. It does have the extended range battery pack, which is a 131 kilowatt hour battery pack. It So versus the Mustang Mach-E, the Ford has the complete Blue Cruise package. So that's hands-free driving legitimately. So, so it'll you, the car will tell you. So do you, you feel a difference? Do you notice a difference really? Yes. Yeah, it's... You know, again, I don't have to check in with the steering wheel. It's just so it'll go, you know, my front signal's on, there's a bubble around the car, and then there's an extended circle around that that tells me I'm in hands-free mode, blue cruise mode. But so I think that's a real that's a neat feature that I wanted. We could talk more about that. One of the things I really liked with our construction development company was that. The F-150 is a giant mobile generator. 
So we have had our electricity at our job sites go down and we have plugged the whole team into my truck to run our job sites. And this is one of the coolest features. I think the vehicle to grid portion. So I have, I will get the, the charger with the bi-directional set up to be able to take over my house in the event of a power outage. I'll tell you one of the most fun stories. We had a power outage in our neighborhood. My power was on, my neighbors were out. They called me up. They said, Aaron, you got to bring the truck over. My friend has some tropical fish, like a 200 gallon tank. He's like, they're going to die. I take the truck over. He puts his, he puts a cord in to run the tropical fish. And he's like, well, can I get another cord and run my deep freezer? Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, can I get another cord and run my two fridges? I said, yeah, go ahead. Then the other neighbor comes over and says, well, can I get a cord to run both of my deep freezers and my fridge and my Traeger electric smoker grill so I can cook dinner for the kids? I'm like, yeah, go nuts. Oh, my so gosh. I, it was incredible. What? We had, <laughs> I, had, I had two houses with the essential systems plugged in for about six hours. I used 5% of the battery of that 131 kilowatts total. Oh my gosh. Just 5% power. 5%. But the, I was reading the average house uses about 30 kilowatts a day. So at 131 kilowatt battery, that's why they say you couldn't charge your, you could run your whole house for three to 10 days, man, something like that. So let me, so they have reservations down now, right? They better. <laughs> Do they have reservations I, for the lightning or, or you don't know? It is. Well, what I understand is that they are not taking any reservations until further notice. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that, that right. the F-150 lightning is booked out for but two I, or three years. Yeah. But if you're interested in, so here's the way I looked at it. If I put, how much is a Tesla Powerwall and how many kilowatts is it? 25 kilowatts? I would have to look. Yeah, let me, I can look it up. It's roughly, roughly 25 kilowatts. Well, I've got 131 kilowatts that are mobile that I can now plug into my house for resiliency of my home or resiliency at my job site or resilient or community resiliency within my neighborhood. That is the incredible part it's the part that fascinates me the most about the f-150 lightning is the vehicle to grid ability did i lose you sorry yeah no i, I was I, oh you're doing, no, you're yeah, doing math so no no so the the power wall is 13.5 kilowatt hours of energy capacity okay. so, so so yeah i have a lot 10, more <laughs> i have 10 power walls in my truck yeah. that i can drive anywhere and deploy yeah. And, uh, I mean, the, I, I just, I, how much did the, did the neighbors then really like, did they, a light bulb sort of go off with them or were they already interested in it anyway? Or, I mean, these guys, they already called you over, so they knew what it was capable of, but do you think it, I mean, do you think this kind of pushed them toward that once Ford is further along with production and all that? Yeah, I think so. You know, we're, we're in cabin country up here and, in Minneapolis, right? And I think a lot of the neighbors started thinking, well, wait a second, if I could drive my vehicle up to my cabin and power, I have a mobile generator now, I think we have to think about 
there's there's a couple of things that are interesting. I could do a whole house generator. I could do batteries for my house, but why not get a really nice truck that does all of it? And then I think that the really interesting piece, and I think you and I have talked about this in the past on solar. You know, sometimes you're thinking about solar as if my payment for my solar system is the same as my electric bill payment and I can offset 100%, then I'm using that what was formerly an expense stream in my family budget and I'm using that to purchase my solar and own it. And I feel similarly about, it's almost like the iPhone. Remember the iPhone, of course you do, but the iPhone came out and it replaced a a digital camera that I had. It replaced a phone that I had. It replaced a Garmin that I had on my dashboard. So we now have this vehicle that is replacing multiple things in my life and simplifying them. But I can tell you, I, I had a, uh, I had a 2004 Dodge Ram 1500 that I replaced with the F-150 Lightning because I have solar and there's some free chargers around, but I've replaced almost $250 a week of gas expense. So I took my gas expense for my household budget and I've used that to purchase an F-150 that is also a generator for my house or a mobile generator or a resiliency backup. Yeah, exactly. It's doing these multiple things. Yeah. So yeah, and that's been you're, great. You're like, I'm happy I'm a clean technica reader and I got in early. No, <laughs> <laughs> no and I read a lot of, I mean, yeah, no, I have to be honest. I, I mean, I, I was following you and then I was following Ford and I tell people that literally when the clock went to 60 seconds on the countdown for the F-150 launch, that's when I ordered my truck. Yeah, no, I mean, you, when you talk <laughs> about the, the backlog, I'm like, gosh, you know, it's, it pays to be informed ahead of time. Cause you can imagine how many people you talk to and you're like, Oh, I'd like to get one. Oh, it's three. Years. Oh, okay. <laughs> but really those right. two scenarios too, those two scenarios, you just, those stories they sound like they're straight out of a ford ad i just keep picturing the ford pictures <laughs> at the work site and then the yes the, the storm with the with the tree yeah. down and the well and the lights on and jim jim farley did post on my linkedin page when i posted the storm oh, uh, awesome. pictures so that was pretty cool that's super uh, cool so let me get to another part of the truck which is the acceleration i mean I would say a negative of that truck is that it weighs 8,550 pounds without an engine in it and 131 kilowatt hours of batteries on board. But that truck does zero to 60 in 3.8 seconds. What? And I, yes. And I'm literally feel like with, a rocket ship. Yeah. I am praying for the day when I'm at a stop sign next to a Corvette and I blow them away. I mean, it is so fun, and I I keep th- it burns a lot of battery to accelerate at that rate. And tires, and I keep <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Although I can barely squeak the tires because it's all wheel drive, I can barely squeak the tires, and I don't want to accelerate that fast. But it is so exhilarating to do. Like I had two friends come over this weekend, and they're like, "Will you take me for a ride in your F one fifty? The neighbor kids call it steel venom because there is a ride at the local amusement park, a a roller coaster 
And like, Aaron, this is the only thing we've experienced in life is this roller coaster. That's how fast your truck is. So then there's the other side of me that is out on the highway and trying to get really good mileage in my vehicle. (laughs) Yeah, I know. This is the, this is the dilemma. This is the (laughs) dilemma. Yeah. But at the same time, the other thing, you know, I, I think it's a little underappreciated. Of course, it doesn't happen every day, but there are times in our life when we're driving and we need to pull away from something quickly because someone's turning the the back of us or something is just jumped on the, on the side or something. And you, and you really, it's a safety benefit of EVs that I think is widely under acknowledged is, you know, that, that ability to just go like, uh, I mean, you you see it in, of course, movies and that kind of thing, but it's genuinely useful when you can do that. And uh, I, I completely agree. And it, and it's like, it was a menu of driving that wasn't available to you previously. And now you have this superpower as a vehicle where you're like, well, I, Oh my gosh, this truck is merging. Like I need to be in that spot. Oh, I'm in that spot. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so yeah. awesome. But let me talk a little bit about blue cruise because my, you know, the, the F-150 has full blue cruise in it. And the difference would be that there are two cameras mounted on the dash that are watching me. And I was kind of thinking of a comment for you around Blue Cruise. And what I would say is that Blue Cruise watches me very carefully because I need to watch Blue Cruise very carefully, if that makes sense. So what I would say is it's kind of in a beta mode. I anticipate that it's going to get better, but when it is in my hands-free driving mode i just have kind of learned that if there's an exit ramp if there's an entrance ramp if there's a left-hand turn lane i mean first of all blue cruise is really when they say two-lane divided highways i think what they mean is like it's got to have the concrete divider in the middle because there's a lot of highways where i'm on a two-lane divided highway and there's the grassy median in the middle and Blue Cruise doesn't go on. So Blue Cruise, That's funny. When, you are, when you are on a major highway, you're going to have the option of Blue Cruise, and it's wonderful. When you're not on a major highway, you are not going to have the Blue Cruise necessarily, but it still wants to watch me really closely. Even though in the Mach-E, I don't have Blue Cruise, it's not watching me, I can just check in with the steering wheel every 12 seconds or 15 seconds. That's interesting. So I find it a little bit... It's irritating because you don't, you don't want to be watched and you don't want to, you don't want to not have access. But at no. the same time, it's a stage of development where... It's a stage of development. So I feel like I'm dealing with this beta stage. It doesn't even want me messing with the radio. It does not want me looking at my phone. It wants me staring straight ahead. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've... And I find... Have you experienced that? Well, with uh, with Tesla, at some point, they they started using the camera for full self-driving beta people to watch mm-hmm. that we're not on our phone or something like that. And it's a similar kind of thing. Basically, you know, if you, if, if you do pick up your phone and look at it, they're going to be like, hey, you're looking at your phone, you know you're Mm -hmm. not using full self-driving anymore but it's also a little you know a little bit nervy like it it 
if you look at the touch screen for too long if you yeah. if you turn your head looking my... out, out the window at something then they'll think that you're not paying attention so and there's yes. just some, some weird things here and there well if your hat is blocking your face or something you know oh, yeah. so it's it's just these kind of things but i i i mean i'm curious where that develops i hadn't really thought a lot about it i mean i think it's critical yeah. that that they do watch the driver and respond more cautiously than not of course right now but at some point right. you know as that gets better you ex- yeah. you assume to not even to not have any kind of like uh, mistaken you know cancellations or that kind of thing that's right yeah so i mean i think it's it's not as far along for the roads that it works on it's a little bit of a nanny uh but when you're on a road where it works it's really nice but i have to be fully attentive to the road which is that a bad thing in the beta versions probably not no i think it's actually (laughs) this is a funny thing that i I, we've covered it but it's you know basically if if a system is that good very good at at performing on its own then people no matter if they're like no matter how serious they are and how much they're told to pay attention they will stop paying attention like nasa discovered this with research with engineers decades ago where they're like if the system is too good even if you have top level professional engineers who are Mm -hmm. told to pay attention all the time they will lose they'll lose focus because there's just nothing Mm -hmm. to fix and i think at the stages where there's stuff to fix um it's sort of easier to make sure but it at this stage where it's not perfect but it's getting so good that you don't have to do anything it's really mm-hmm. critical that they be hyper attentive and and they, they make sure that if you there's any chance that you've lost focus that you get shaken out of it or whatever so yes. I mean, it is a hard it's a it's like the hardest phase of the process i think i don't know if yeah. it's a lot of valley of death but kind of valley of concern for for autonomous driving and but it's also mm-hmm. a clear sign that ford's getting to a level with it that it that it needs that so you know it's it's getting just better and better yeah mm-hmm. yeah and and i would say in the f-150 i pretty much turn on blue cruise all the time because it is a better driver than i am so even though i have to be super attentive I can't look at my phone. I have to change radio channels very quickly. It's a better, safer driver than I am as a human being. Yeah. and But I I, I now know after I've driven about 2,000 miles in that truck, mostly long distance highway driving. It's just really, really nice. And and I find it, you know, this road rage that we see, here's an, here's an underappreciated fact with EVs or smart driving cars. I don't have any road rage anymore because my car just goes along. It keeps two car lengths distance. It slows down. I, it, it's so much more peaceful to drive in a smart, you know, technology driven car. And I'm sure you've had this experience too. I come away. I just did 400 miles in the truck on Friday and I come away just calm from that driving experience. Yeah, totally. And I think I'm just impressed that you know two car lengths. So many people <laughs> so many <laughs> people don't even realize they're like, you know, one car length max, you know. But the other thing uh, I... and, and there will be there will be a case, it depends. But 
No, I there's been, only I told, it there's drives, only it's one, one of my pet peeves. It's one of my pet peeves yeah. that people don't don't stay far enough behind and don't you know. I, I just if, remember the training you, from high school driving lessons. Yes, it's like, but, but uh, if you go if you go on the highway to Carline, you will get pulled in front of. Yeah, many well, many many times because you're leaving too much space. Yeah, so you have the option to go to one car length. The only other time is if I find a really nice semi that I want to have punch a hole in the wind for me, which really will help your EV driving range. Mm-hmm. I'll sometimes get behind that semi and put one car length in because then I'm just right behind that semi. But you're you're in Minneapolis. So, I mean, you're in the yeah. city. Yeah. So, I mean, city drivers are more aggressive. I mean, we don't, we, we can get away with two car lengths here and not get cut in front of too much depending on where no, you are. I but... think that's right. In the city, you want two car lengths. If it's, any sort of weather, I go to three car lengths. I rarely go to four, but only on highway driving will I go to one car length if a lot of people are going to cut in front of me or I've got that ability to wind tunnel behind a larger vehicle. But the thing I was going to bring up when you were talking about the, the how relaxing it is too, I, I also found that when you don't when you know that system is that good you have more ability to scan the environment you have more ability yeah. to like be more aware of the broader environment and that mm-hmm. makes you also a safer better driver because you you just see, you have that freedom to see more and to be more attentive beyond mm-hmm. the the normal you know where you would normally focus so i think it's really a tremendous improvements in safety and the, the sooner it all is. the vehicles have this the better so what other I guess one question I have about the F-150 Lightning, you know, one of the things that were highlighted was highlighted as a benefit of it is that it is just like an F-150 in, in a lot of ways. And you can sort of, you can, you can put all the things in the back or attachments or whatever to mm-hmm. the truck that you can do with a normal F-150. Do you find, are there any, is there any way that it's limited compared to a normal truck? Is it, and is there any way that you just find a lot of people like, oh, wow, this is better than my normal F-150 because it's got this and this? Yeah, my buddy was over on Saturday, and he has an F-150. He's got the twin-turbo V6 version. And it's a positive and a negative. It is exactly an F-150. He knew exactly what he was driving when I put him in the in the driver's seat. And it wasn't a lot different, except it was way better acceleration. I think that people noticed the Mustang Mach-E, they don't always notice the F-150 Lightning unless they really know. I'm so disappointed because I love seeing the other EVs. And I'm like, if I've seen an F-150 Lightning and I didn't notice it, I'm so upset with myself. But it's like, but I'm looking out. And the only way you're going to know is you're going to see it's a different grill because it doesn't have, you know, it's a, there's a different grill on it. And it says Lightning on the back rear quarter panel. But I always am hoping like, People are going to see that it's the F-150 Lightning. And I think it's it's so similar that people don't see it. So I'm not sure that's a negative or not. But I think that everything you could do with your standard F-150, you could do on this. The one question I would have is, you know, obviously EV mileage is like gas mileage. And I don't think we're as sensitive to gas mileage as we are to EV mileage. I live in the Midwest. There are not, there is not a plethora of level two chargers in the Midwest. I know where all of them are. So, you know, you're very cognizant of range and I've, okay, I've got to make it to that level two charger. 
yeah. you know, in in town, am I going to get four to six miles per kilowatt hour? Yeah, sure. But if I'm on the highway going 75 miles an hour and and that F-150, which is not the most aerodynamic vehicle on the planet, is buffeting the wind, am I going to get 1.7 miles per kilowatt hour? Perhaps. So yeah. that leads me to, I have not towed with it yet. Right. You probably my range is you'd so, be nervous to try, I'm sure. <laughs> I would be nervous to try towing until we get a heck of a lot more level two chargers in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. The aerodynamic hit has got to be a big downside. And the Mach-E is not the most aerodynamic vehicle in the world, but it is designed more for aerodynamics. And I'm sure yes. it's more comfortable so, on the interstate. I have driven, I have a job site that's 200 miles from my house. And I have a standard range Mach-E. It will make it that 200 miles because it's a way more aerodynamic and it's lighter. And if I'm really driving, you know, 75, you know, five over the speed limit and it's windy, I will make it 200 miles with maybe 13 to 18% battery remaining. And then I'll get on the level two charger and, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, I'm, I'm back up to 90% charge and I can head back home. But I just think, I don't know. I haven't towed with it yet. I just don't know how much mileage I'll get when I tow. Yeah, I mean, it's just if tough you... with, with a vehicle like that to make it, you know, standard so it's usable across all these different uses to make it, you know, ha- have the power and the towing. I mean, it's just yeah. this is the trade-off right now. It's not five or 600 miles of range. No. And, and this is not, it's I not. mean, this is not a, a solely an issue with the, the truck. Obviously, that's no. going to be amplified with the truck. But, you know, I have a, uh, I know it, I a tennis coach who got the model three, who's not a tech follower, not, not an early adopter. He just, you know, they've become so popular here that, that he got one too. And, uh, you know, without having read much about them and all that, and he, he drove it on the interstate, you know, a couple hours South recently. And he, he talked to me, he was like, this is horrible. You have to, like, he was not prepared for the range hit that you get taking it a couple hours on the interstate. And, you know, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, and it's, it's, you know, your mind is going through like, you know, you know so much about EVs, but you're also like, how do I talk about this issue to someone who doesn't read about this stuff and is new and, yeah. and it's just a normal person just trying to enjoy a car. And, and it's really a, something that's hard to still figure out and navigate sometimes, but it's, mm-hmm. I mean, and I remember the first time I borrowed a Nissan Leaf from someone in Europe and I, I drove it around and then I got on the the highway and drove it. To, towards ikea and it started just eating range and i was like sweating bullets i was like whoa this mm-hmm. is... and i mean i knew what happens but it was still like this is too fast this is losing range too fast so i right. think this is really a struggle we have to deal with i mean you have to think about it, at least and have to be prepared for when when it comes to these kind of you know new mass market evs like how do we talk about that how do we we know how, yeah. to, how to handle it but what how do we you know, all these friends of ours who want to know about it, like, how do you talk about it with them and that kind of thing? Right. And I, I think that some good advice for people is that one thing that was surprising to me is that my EVs charge very, very quickly from zero to 80%. And that you're almost better off on a road trip charging, like if you're at 10% and you need to get to 50, it's like that you're almost better off if you, again, if you have a nice planned route, charging from a lower battery charge to a mid-range battery charge 
to charge from 80 to 100% gets incrementally more difficult. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I know someone else got a, a long range Tesla and won't take it on road trips, but they they are nervous to ever go below like 50% charge, you know, like at all. Yeah, and, no, no. And I'm like, well, you know, you got to use the, you know, you got to go down <laughs> lower. Uh, it's super easy. Just don't stress. Uh, and I always think, you know, I always feel like this comes a bit from our experience with computers and phones where mm -hmm. it says 10% and then it dies, you know? And mm -hmm. I think we have this, people don't, I mean, it's just a natural thing. You've seen it happen so many times that you think, oh, well, even if I, if I get to 20%, will it die all of a sudden or 10%? And of course, no. electric vehicles are built to not do that. They're not the same as computers and, and phones in that way. Right. They even have buffers. But a normal person is like, you know, scared. So it's really a, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a transition. I mean, at the same no, time, I think you're right. People also and learn, oh, I don't have to think about filling up because I just fill up every day. You know, it's like, like I, I can have a full charge every oh day. My gosh. And so I think that's another thing that people just, they don't get until they experience it. And then they see, oh, this is really nice. <laughs> yeah. It is really nice. And that's, that's a comment that my wife had is she said, I didn't realize how much I hated going to the gas station until I didn't, <laughs> until I didn't ever have to go to a gas station again. And the, the Mach-E for her is just perfect because she can come home. You know, you could, you can get three miles per hour out of an outlet from your garage, a standard outlet. And overnight, you know, maybe she drives 25 miles round trip. She can get back to a full charge overnight. And it's no big deal for her. And generally during the week with my truck, I'm doing everything out of my garage and using my solar and I'm, I'm getting free gas. But when I do, you know, once a week, I do this 400 mile round trip. Now I've gotten really used to it. I know where all the chargers is. I know that I can push it down to 10 or 8%. And that actually, if I do that, you know, I'm better off doing some short charges on the way than one big charge so you really start to get used to it but it's a different mindset yeah you have to get used to, i mean i think you sort of have to you have to push yourself below 50 and then below 40 and then below, and th yeah until you, i mean some people like my friend in, in poland he like first road trip in the tesla model s tesla shuttle service we had he got it down to three percent oh boy <laughs> of course that was a little stressful, but I mean, I would never go close to that because I was, I'm just like different animal, but I think, you know, yeah, with the, with the gas station comment, you know, we're, we're such creatures of habit. Humans have mm -hmm. such a, we have such an ability to just accept things that are not great because they're habits or mm -hmm. do things that are horrible for us because they're habits. And at the same time, you know, we can achieve phenomenal things if we just put the right habits in. And with the gas station, it's one of those things, everybody, it's such a cultural habit, such a societal habit that it's almost invisible until you break the habit. And then you realize, gosh, that was really annoying going to the gas station mm -hmm. that much, you know? And I, yeah, I, love, really you, was. I love that comment because I think a lot of people experience it, and but it's mostly we don't think about it uh, before beforehand. Yeah. And And I will tell you now, my my cost last month i pulled my utility bill for you but i usually have a ten dollar negative utility bill and last month charging the majority of my charging of my f-150 and my mach-e on my house with 10.54 kilowatts of solar 
I had a $50 bill for charging my cars. And that's this kind of thing that will blow people away because they'll think you're spending hundreds <laughs> of dollars charging. You know, it's amazing. And I will. I'll tell you, on Friday, I I just checked because uh, usually you know you're just charging. You don't pay attention. But on a four now again free charging mostly at my house on solar. Four hundred miles round trip. I spent eighteen dollars at chargers on the way back. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. And so I used to spend $250 a week on gas. So, I, you know, I've argued that my car is free because I no longer have to spend $250 a week on gas. Yeah, we've... And I have a... <laughs> Who have you argued that to? I'm just curious. Uh, my wife. My okay. wife. Because <laughs> we've yeah, written articles car, like honey. that in the past. It's yeah. been years. But yeah. on the one hand, it, people love them. On the other hand, some people are like, it's not free. It was like, well... If you're really doing the full math, it's free. <laughs> but you know, you, you get the different kinds of responses. But I think it's a really compelling uh, message and and something that people. No, it's 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 amazing, and it's no different to me with the argument with solar. That if you have a current, I would encourage people take a look at what you spent just at the gas station, and that could be a potential car payment. Yep. You're going to free now. You have to have solar like you and I do at your house. So you're getting free gas on your end. But I'm also amazed how many chargers, and maybe it's different in your area now. There are a lot of free chargers in Minneapolis. Oh, we have a lot. Yeah. No, I've, I mean, when I've done these total cost of ownership uh, analyses, I will often do one with low, with a low electricity cost, medium, and high to sort of have a mm -hmm. range. And I, I had stopped doing like really low because people get so ir irritated, but I was, I'd be just comment like all those charges in my area are free. So I have $0 charging. So, I mean, you might think this is a low for an average electricity cost, but this is way above what I pay. So I think, you know, it's like, it's something that people just don't know it until they get into that world and start asking questions and start oh, exploring and you just I was, don't know uh, what's available. Yeah. I was yeah. out, I was out at our job site. And there's a free charger in our in this town. It's Laverne, Minnesota. It's a beautiful small town. They have a free charger. And I said, if there was a free gas pump in this county, there'd be a line a mile long for free gas. <laughs> exactly. But yet I'm here in my F-150 getting free gas and there's no line. That's a great point. Yeah. Right. And I, I do. I mean, this wouldn't, be, wouldn't have been one of my critiques of charging stations for a long time. They're not visible enough because this is across the board. But when, when we were living mm -hmm. in Poland, I was walking, you know, every other day or every day to a, a shopping center to get groceries. And it, I went to test drive a plug-in hybrid Mitsubishi Outlander at one point, And I thought there were no charging stations in the city. It's like I just didn't. There was not EV era yet. There was nothing really right. going on. And I found out that there were like a few dozen EV chargers in the area. And I was like, really? Mm -hmm. And so I finally looked at it, not really having a clue. And there was a charging station right there on the side of the shopping center where I walked every day. Like I walked oh. past it every day yeah. and I didn't see it. And it was just right. sort of invisible there as a kind of rectangular pole by the shipping area. And, but it's just, I think it just, I, I always think like people don't realize nearly how, you know, how many EV charging stations are around the opportunity. Right. I, I always emphasize the three kilowatt, the, the normal electricity plug charging, because I think more than 90% of people are not aware that an electric car can charge on a normal outlet 
And yeah. I, I charge like that because I have no need or purpose of adding, paying even $50, let alone a few hundred dollars to put in a charging station in my uh, a level two, because level one does it. I mean, the car is parked yeah. so much that all you have to do is plug in and it charges as much as you need. I mean, we, yeah. we really don't drive, we don't drive 20 hours a day. We drive normally oh. a little, you know, 40 miles a day is the average, which is not much to charge on level one charging even. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, when I got the F-150, I added, well, I'd say when we got the Mach-E, I added a dryer outlet in my garage that is 240 amp, 30 volt. And that thing, you know, I get 15 to 20 miles per hour, but I didn't, I almost didn't need it. It's a nice option to have on the weekends or, or, you know, if you need a quicker charge, but for about 800 bucks, you could add a dryer outlet in your garage. You can plug your car into that and you're going to get 15, 20 miles per hour out of that. Yeah. And there's definitely there's different lifestyles where you need it. And there's, um, there's been a few times, maybe three times where I was like, Oh, I wish I had a faster charge. It's just like, it was fine. It was just like, it would have been nice. To it's be, fine. But yeah, it was, yeah. Well, let's wrap up. I would just, yeah, uh, not sure if we missed anything, but is there anything you want to talk about with the screens or the interior or anything, anything about the F-150 Lightning or the Mustang Mach-E that you feel like you, we missed? I think that, People are very impressed with the screens, and you know this from <laughs> from your experiences with EVs. But it, it's really nice. I I do like the you know there's the F one fifty still has some analog controls, and I appreciate a couple of those analog the volume analog controls. Do you like yeah the, the volume the one's great? For... I do. Yeah, it kind of has this free floating knob on both the Mach E and the F one fifty. I really like that. Um, There's a lot of criticism just... of it from especially Tesla people, but I like it. I've always liked it. It was one of the things that people, Tesla people wanted that they didn't. And I mean, I've seen, I see different opinions on, but I feel like it would just be much easier. Well, I use the volume controls on the steering wheel anyway now, but I do too but, now. But for yeah. the passenger, the passenger, yep. my, my wife doesn't like the, the, you have to tap this and it's really annoying. It's like hard to get it that knob mm -hmm. would be so much easier. So, so you find that's a definite benefit, good choice from, from Ford. Yeah. And it's, it's really quite elegant. I want to take it apart and figure out how they did it, but I'm sure I'll watch a video of somebody, yeah, exactly. but it's this, it's like a free floating knob on the screen. I have no idea how it works. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's weird. You, you can figure it out. I would never be able to figure it out. I don't have, an, <laughs> I don't yeah, have I don't either. No, but, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you for talking to me today. I greatly appreciate it. Hopefully we've inspired some other folks and the, it, it, it's really, I think the highlight for me is that driving had become just staid and boring for me and stressful. And now it's exhilarating and exciting and peaceful, if that makes sense. Now that's a great point. I think that's the case for EV drivers across the board. I think almost everybody that's been the story with driving. I mean, even if you love driving, you get tired of it, you get stressed. Mm -hmm. And 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 it's also I forget it was a yeah, I won't go into the details of it all, but I remember someone saying that the the number one benefit for him of switching to an EV was just how much nicer, more peaceful the driving was. It wasn't the acceleration, the fun of the acceleration, the the tech. It was just more peaceful 
quieter. Yeah. Well, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that the acceleration is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's that was my presence. And he was like, I disagree with your brain. I'm like, well, oh, oh. that's great. Yep. Yeah. Thank it's great you. If you don't like it, but I love it. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much. Thank you so much. And we'll have to get back to talk about net zero rental housing and all yeah. that. And um, I would enjoy yeah, that. All the, all the normal stuff you do in your life. Okay. Thanks, Thanks. so much. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,